This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10 for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to fine dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give Fine Dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. Oh, yeah, finally, two people I'm best friends with and have no idea who I am are sponsoring High and Mighty. I'm talking, of course, about Ben and Jerry, the famous... Ice cream dudes, man. Ben and Jerry's and Netflix is a joke have worked together to come up with something extra special. A little something called Punchline Ice Cream. Punchline is the perfect accompaniment to all your favorite Netflix comedies from stand-up specials to hilarious movies and shows. Uh, Of course... Let me just tell you the flavor because then you'll be sold on it. It is a comedic duo of brown butter bourbon and almond ice cream with roasted almonds and chuckles of cherries. Uh, So if you like jokes and ice cream, call the Punchline Hotline at 1-866-PUNCHLINE to hear Wanda Sykes, Fortune Feimster, and Aparna Nanchala deliver hilarious one-liners to make your day. Uh, Okay, here's the thing. I am so pumped. First of all, a new Ben and Jerry's flavor means I have to seek that out. And in these times, I'm enjoying nothing more than treating myself to a little Ben and Jerry's post-dinner while watching one of my favorite shows. Um, now, if I have to answer with what Netflix comedy and what Ben and Jerry's flavor. Um, okay, so I can't say, I can't really say punchline ice cream here because that's, you know, the ad is for that. So let me tell you, I enjoy, and I'm going to, if they do a couple of ads with me, I'm going to give you a different pairing each time. So I'm going to start with uh, one that's a little on brand for Uncle Gabrus here, my favorite flavor, half-baked. Love the batter. I love dough in my ice cream. It's just an extra little texture adventure. So I'd like to pair half-baked with, I think you should leave, the Tim Robinson sketch series, which I still think is one of the funniest things to ever appear on uh, Netflix, arguably anywhere. So grab a point, grab a point, grab a point, mate. Grab a pint to enjoy with your favorite Netflix comedies anywhere ice cream is sold. Or find a new favorite at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Dig into Ben and Jerry's punchline anywhere ice cream is sold. Or find a new favorite at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. What's up, shitheads? Welcome to 
Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy, Johnny G in quarantine, ruining the stay-at-home orders of Los Angeles for all of my neighbors as they hear me shout this intro, because all you gotta do is trust me. That's Jackson Maine, Johnny G. Not joining me in the High and Mighty Studios currently is my boy, Arthur Gabris, my dog. He is out lying in the sun. The sun leaves earlier and earlier every day. It's December now. It's I Miss Movies Month. And get pumped because in the High and Mighty Studio, virtually six feet social distance, is from his newsletter, Formerly Dangerous, it's Drew McWeenie. I am so excited to be here. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. This is so dope. Uh, I first heard you on the Doughboys and then started following you, and your taste in movies is the type of person that I want to hear their opinion on movies from. So following you has been a real boon for me in the last uh, couple of years. Perfect. Well, thanks, man. I uh, the uh, I met uh, Mitch and, and Weiger and then found out Mitch was a giant movie nerd, so that's... Uh, that's how I know them and, and stay in touch with them is Mitch secretly watches a unbelievable number of movies. Yes, he's a he's a, one of those guys who pretends to be uninformed about everything. But then when you text him, he's like, I don't know. Raising Cain is my favorite De Palma. And you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, know, he knows his shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing for the month of December. I miss movies so much that I no. want to have fellow movie heads on just to like reminisce. I miss the conversation of the walk from the arc light to our elevator to or to our respective cars with my friends yep. i miss the uh where'd you park when you come out of the new beverly and like you know maybe uh you know i, I used to walk two blocks to, up and i'm what yeah yeah exactly yeah and you're like okay well then i'll walk a block with you this way and we can unpack that shaw brothers movie we saw be a lot of unpacking to do uh, but uh so i wanted to do that virtually with people whose opinions i appreciate and want and who like so when I messaged you I was like any official topics I threw out movie theater experiences as one and you had <laughs> a lot to say and I think that's something to be said I I think I was missing the idea of movies coming out like I used to look forward to releases and now it feels like for a few months there hasn't been that but I yeah. didn't I didn't realize how much I was missing the actual experience ritual what whatever you want to call it of going to the movies well, and I think that that definitely is sinking in now because I'm doing the end of the year stuff. I'm a member of uh, LAFCA, the LA Film Critics Association, and we do our end of the year vote. And, you know, we're getting ready. It's in like three weeks and all the stuff is starting to get sent to us as digital links now that you can watch. And you have to have an Apple TV box so that you can play just that streaming thing that just does the screeners. And, dude, I don't. This year just doesn't feel like it's happening. Like it doesn't even feel like a real movie year because I haven't been in a theater since March. And that's the longest I've gone outside of a movie theater since I was seven years old. I, <laughs> I've never had this amount of time away from a movie theater. And it's like I'm missing a limb. It's really bizarre. It feels crazy because people were talking about at Thanksgiving, people like my wife and our two friends were talking about like things we miss. And, and I, people were talking about like friends houses cafes restaurants and i was like is it crazy that i think i miss the arc light the most like a near chain theater and i, I realized like you're saying a lot of stuff has come into my mind in this uh pandemic i'm learning a lot about myself like how exercise and perform live performance are important to my mental health i didn't realize yeah. this and then 
Now I'm realizing I'm like doing my best to simulate the movie experience at home and it doesn't work. But like I try everything I like say at you know at 4:40 p.m. I am putting on you know Salvador and there's going to be all lights down I might do noise canceling headphones to try to get trapped into my uh, TV area um, I do like as much as I possibly can and it still doesn't hit the same no and in fact this summer um, because my kids this summer we had all this stuff planned we were going to do a cross country trip with my parents we were going to do uh, we were going to do Hamilton live for the first time my 50th birthday was this summer and we had plans for that and uh. None of it happened, of course. And so everything's <laughs> indoors. Everything's been at home. And the one kind of th- activity that I planned that we pulled off was um, I used to go to film festivals all the time and uh, would be gone for two weeks at a time. And the boys kind of grew up knowing that I would just vanish, go see movies for two weeks and then come back. And they always wondered what festivals were like. Well, we had a film festival at my apartment this summer. And I made badges oh. and uh, somebody <laughs> did a poster for us and we did the schedule for everything. And for a week, they had to get up. They had to have breakfast by a certain time. Then movies started. They had to line up if they wanted to get their seats in the uh, TV room. It was we <laughs> through a film so festival. Fun. That is so and, fun. I'm stealing this for me and my wife, by the way. And it really was it, it was good for the mental health. Like you said, it felt like we had an activity, like we did something this summer, even though we were here in the house. It was so regulated and it was so regimented. and It was such a break from what we'd been doing that, man, it felt good. But it really drove home how much I, I love those experiences. And God, you're right. Movie theaters. It was every part of the movie theater for thing thing for me because I started my first job the day I turned 16 um, was at a movie theater. And on my birthday, I went to work because I was so ready to do it. Um, And I worked in movie theaters until I moved out here. Uh, When I moved to L.A. in 1990, I started working as a manager and managed theaters where we did test screenings. And so I got to watch that process like I. Movie theaters to me were such a familiar part of my everyday life for so long that when I started work as a critic, it was such a natural slide. Like it wasn't a planned thing. It just I slid into it because (laughs) that's where I grew up anyway. Right. Um, And you didn't realize it's like one of those things that uh, as you get older and you become like a, a fully realized person and you start to lock into where you are in life and you're like, Oh my God! Have I accidentally been training my entire life to be a film critic? Like, and yeah. it, like you retroactively revealed, you're like, I didn't see the path before me uh, in the past, and now here I am. Of course, I love movies. I watch movies. I, me writing about movie or you writing about movies is takes the form of this is what I would be talking about with my friends or relentlessly discussing on the drives to and from our third viewing of the Matrix or whatever. Like that yeah, shit. Well, like it's so. F- so, uh, sorry to cut you off there, but it's like it's so it's so re- it's so real where I like the whole time I was like, I knew I wanted to work in movies and I didn't know what that mean as a kid. I didn't know if it meant in the theater, a director, an actor. And now I'm sort of like none of them, but I'm still tangentially attached. And it just feels that good for me to be like, oh, yeah, I guess who? I, I'm 38 years old. And I've been watching two. I watched two movies every Friday from like when I was 16 until I was 25. Like that was just a thing I did. And uh, in addition to all the other movies. And now I'm like, oh, I, I've been building this personality for the last 30 years. And I had no idea or building this likes, dislikes, everything. My my point of view. And I, I had no idea. And now without the movies, like 
I didn't realize how much I would talk about like, oh, I can't wait to see blank or did you just see blank or I can't yeah. wait to see what people, the people I like are saying about blank and the five friends that you text, depending on the genre of movie, you're like, well, these are my rom-com friends. These are my action movie friends. These are my Star Wars friends. Like I miss that fucking, and, and it was a way for me to share with culture in a way because it's like we all, going to a theater and seeing a movie is like a shared experience, which is now so rare already. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I, my friends, most, all my early friendships when I moved to Los Angeles were uh, based around movie theaters, not only because I worked there, but then I would meet people who came in to the movie theater. And then I, I went looking for a video store to work at uh, and I found a Laserdisc store in Sherman Oaks, Gotta which diversify. was, <laughs> and it was all industry because the only people that bought Laserdiscs were industry nerds like or yeah. super film nerds, the people that were like obsessive about it. So that store was industry people that would come in, buy their own stuff and to buy whatever was new and uh, extreme obsessives. It was the perfect place to end up. I met so many people there that are still friends or professional uh, contacts, people that I know now. Uh, my first uh, film that I got made was because of a guy that was a customer there who <laughs> I just awesome. got to know. And he realized, <laughs> okay, this guy, if you wind him up, there's a million things bouncing around in there. Um, <laughs> and that's, I, I made myself in, indispensable there. I think I knew I was going to end up doing something like Film Critic when even working at a store like that, somebody would walk in with a question about a movie and everybody else at the store would go, him. Just ask him. And it was pre-internet. So it was like, right. he's he's got it in his head. Go ask him. Drew, you just activated something in me. Pre-internet. My brothers used to call me when I was at college and be like, John, what is the name? Because like I knew all the movies, directors, yep. actors, and they'd be like, John, we're at a party. No one could remember what uh, I'm like. What the John Clavenham's name is in Bloodsport. I'm like Frank Dukes. Put up your Dukes. Remember? And they're like, Oh right, uh, thank you. All right, but and I <laughs> prided myself on that. And you're talking as someone who I can tell you prided yourself on that. And then yeah. along the same lines, I've been. I uh, started dating my wife in college, but before we were dating, we were just like college friends. And her and her group of housemates, I tagged along, went to Blockbuster and to rent a bunch of movies up in Poughkeepsie where I went to school. And the guy behind the counter was like, you know, textbook movie nerd, looked like we look like now, but mm -hmm. I was 20 then. And he was like, uh, he was like, says to my then friend Tiffany, uh, now wife, says like, if you could tell me the actor who plays Ernest because we got like Ernest Scared Stupid was one of the movies and she was like if you could tell me the name of the actor I'll give you all we got like five movies he's like I'll give them all to you for free and he had not seen me a obviously a 20 year old nerd standing in the pack he just saw chicks and I just leaned in and I was like Jim Varney ring us up and uh, my wife and my then friend Tiffany turned to me and she was like oh that was so cool when you did that and I was like not only did I get the fucking movie nerd power, but like the girl I'm attracted to found that cool. And I was like, oh, yep. it was like in that moment, I was like, I must figure out everything about movies. I must know. And I'm already like a there's something in my brain. And I don't know if it's from Magic the Gathering or comic book collecting something in my brain that makes me and I see it with a lot of people who are, you know, use geek in uh, in a good way, uh, a completionist where I'm like, oh, I loved Goodfellas when I was like 19, like every 19 year old. And then I go, who's Martin Scorsese? Let me like see every single one of his movies. And yeah. I'm like, I have to see it all. Now, like, and the, this keeps happening to me where I'm like, well, now I have to see every Kurt Russell movie or something. And it's like, I'm going to, that's how you break your mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> like well, and that, that's definitely how I, 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 and I grew up 
the first wave of sort of people that had home video at their disposal. I remember when I heard about the first VCR, a, a relative of ours worked for RCA in Memphis. And when we were in Memphis, they had one of the first commercial VCRs in their house. And they were like, oh. and you can get movies. And I, this was like 77. And I just remember <laughs> thinking, wait a minute. You can get a whole movie, any movie that you want. And of course, you couldn't at that point. There were like four titles that they had. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I remember just what an insane concept that was. And as home video started rolling out, that that completionist gene, it was as things would hit stores, it would be like I'd see one thing and then I'd go back and I'd just start following somebody through the video store, like Francis Coppola through the video store or, you know, an actor right. through the video and it was the best ex- – that was a great way to do it. And then when I moved to L.A. and the New Beverly was here, the New Beverly was such a phenomenal – to have a revival house that, that that was programmed that well, where every month I would have a list of things that I hadn't seen yet that I knew I wanted to, that the New Beverly would show. And then it would be like, great, I can finally check it off a list. And there was that sense of kind of filling in gaps in an education. And the truth is we're never done, man. There's there's giant blind spots I have. I'm, I've been doing this for – 24, 25 years, I know there's stuff I don't know well that I haven't watched enough of. And you can't. That's part of the joy of film is that constant sense of there's always something new you can go find. There's something you can dig into. And I I really want theaters to come back strong and embrace revival as a way of getting people back into theaters. Because I think people will go for their old favorites more than just new junk. If you really want to lure people back when you open those doors again – Go in strong, man. Go show in stuff Jaws with people on that- the Fourth of July on Fourth of July weekend or Memorial Day weekend. Show a hundred percent. Show aliens in seven, you know, in whatever format. Like, get us. I think that's because. Also, what you're talking about too is the fucking streamification of everything is like eliminating some of these things. Where it's like, yeah, how, how does one just catch a movie? Like, you know, I, and. Oh, Dude, Drew, you just hit on like 11 things that are, are, are on my mind currently right now. <laughs> I I feel the same way. I feel like the few, like we can't, the Marvel Disney machine is unsustainable for Well, and fandom. this interrupted it. This interrupted right? it. This is the first time in a while that we've been off the hype drip. And my whole thing in starting the newsletter was I got tired of writing. I, I think 90% of what's published about film is marketing. I think no matter how good a reviewer you are, no matter how good an interviewer you are, if you're doing it all before a film comes out and people even get a chance to see it and you're done and on to the next conversation, then you're doing marketing. Right. Film conversation doesn't begin until the moment we've been talking about when people see it and they get to walk to their cars with their friends and analyze it and then get on the internet and debate things. And that's a film. That's the actual life of the movie. But we're done as film press by the time that happens. Because yeah, we've that's already weird. finished everything. It's all marketing. Fuck marketing. I'm so tired of it. What I want is a return to actual, I've seen a movie. I have my feelings about a movie. I want to talk about the movie. Because that's way more engaging. And I think that is what live, going to a movie with your friends gives you, is the ability to have that afterwards. Instead I've, of it just being hype. So we interrupted it. We did it. That As terrible as this is, in a way, it broke that model where we're not all on the 24-hour hype drip now so right where it's like do we have to go back we talk about who's getting cast in guardians of the galaxy 3 we talk yeah. about who's directing guardians of the galaxy 3 we talk about a controversy surrounding guardians of the galaxy 3 we talk about uh, production has begun we talk about chris pratt yep. we talk about that and then we then the movie comes out and people are like yeah it was fine and then 
and this is my own personal beef with Marvel movies, and then it evaporates from your brain a day yep. and a half later, and it's like, well, don't worry about that, because you're not going to believe who we got for Guardians of the Galaxy 4. Welcome back, right? You know, like, you're immediately fucking tying up again, ready to cook yeah. up a spoon of fucking Marvel movies. And uh, I think it's one of the things that they did with Star Wars. They bought it for $2 billion and thought they had to put one out every year and didn't realize that that's not healthy. It's not... It's not a healthy way to engage with anything. Give us right. a break. Like, here, give us something. Let us chew on it for a while. Then go make another one. But this nonstop drip, I think, has has really broken a lot of the relationship that we have with movies. I, I, think, I think you're so right because it is – and also – and we're not even touching on how much real estate – this hype machine of the major corporation movies, how much real estate it takes up in the dialogue where then no one talks about like the movie good time when it comes out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. gets swallowed because there's 11 different movies starring Dwayne, the rock Johnson coming out this year that we're talking about. And we miss and the culture, like people miss these movies and you're like, no, 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 this is like, and, and part of it is like, I like to see those movies in the, th- I'm, I got like too many thoughts going at once. Sorry, I'm, you're getting me all worked up in a fun way. Uh, the, no, but uh, I, and I, you're right. Seeing them in a the theater was great. In the 90s, when that explosion of indie films happened, it was great here in LA because you would go to the Sunset Five and that Sunset Five opening weekend, you would see the same people packing those theaters. Everything would be sold out. A movie like Requiem for a Dream. Yes. You couldn't get into because it was that big a deal to go, and it was you know only a few theaters a small in LA. Screening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was but it was exciting because you knew that everybody that was there was excited to see this thing, and with all of that still being kind of pre-internet, that that buzz was very organic. It was just people talking to people, and you know realizing that I want to go. The LA Weekly was such a big part of that back then, or Alternative Press, or yeah, it was yeah. it was a really interesting time, and your friends would go with you so you could then digest it. Right. And that was such a thing. And it would be like, are we getting a coffee after? Are we smoking weed before? And it would Mm -hmm. all be like the whole ritual of it all. And it feels it feels it started to feel like those smaller movie theater experiences were going away. I I do live. We do live in Los Angeles. So living here, you still get to experience like I did get to see eighth grade on the premiere, like on the day it came out in a fully crowded theater, which lent itself comedies, horrors action dumb action good quality movies they all hit harder in a big crowd they and, really do and this is specific to me but I've, t- I've been talking about this on every fucking episode of the movie month but my brain is broken in an attention way where i kind of need movie i need to go to a movie theater to give a movie my full attention like at home 100%. i'm having such a hard time between like my wife my dog the real world emails my phone my dumb brain you know i just picked I- up a tick over this uh pandemic john and it's the weirdest like i now am at the point where i just watched promising young woman last night the carrie mulligan film that's coming out which oh is yeah a, yeah it's really good it's really nerve-wracking it is an anxiety inducing experience um but I've realized that with movies like that, where anxiety is a big part of it, I can't sit through it right now. I, I just I have a, a thing where I'll have to hit pause during certain scenes, like something terrible is about to happen and you know it. And I'll hit pause for a minute. I'll get up and I'll go walk it off and I'll come back and I'll watch again. And it's right now. It's really during this stay at home pandemic thing where I just feel like we're all at anxiety 11 anyway. And so. In a theater, you can't do that. There's no release valve, and you are strapped in for the experience. 
I like that. I prefer the experience. I don't like, I feel like I have too much control sometimes right now. Yes, I'm letting I want myself less off the hook. You know, yeah. I'm letting myself off the hook. And these movies are at their best, especially when you can't just yeah, get them and walk the out way, of the theater for the five minutes. The way they're the way they're meant to be watched unbroken yeah. <laughs> and like and lit and prof- in, in a professional room the uh the uh you say that we're watching the sopranos currently uh oh wow and uh re-watching we've both seen it but not since uh not since tuning in weekly on hbo as we keep just talking about how old we are here the last time i watched sopranos was when i've missed a few episodes because i had to do something that night um so it's really crazy to like rewatch it back to back to back like this but it's so anxiety inducing at points and we're having a hard time we like my wife would be like i don't want i don't need this right now i'm like i agree i agree but it's the best and it feels uh, so I feel so dumb with my inability to watch a full movie now. This is something I used to pride myself on. God forbid, read a book. God forbid, hit a deadline on something I I owe someone. But I can't even fucking put on a movie I choose for. I put on Platoon the other day, and I found myself. I'm like, my phone is out, and I'm sitting like on a couch looking at the film, and my phone. I can't be this far from the movie and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, you fucking love this movie. Just shut up and watch. You put it on. You chose it. You paid $2 to rent it. I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) I I think with, I I think I'm lucky in that the one way I can do that in my house where I force myself to have the experience fresh again, because part of the problem also is if you're watching something you've seen before and we are this anxious, it's easy to get distracted. Yes. Um, Yes. When I show things to my kids, um, and they're at that age now where I'm really getting to show them cool shit finally. Um, uh, I've been following f- along on social media. You've read several of my commentary. I'm always replying it like, feels how brand they like new. This? <laughs> yeah. Well, this weekend especially, like there were, you know, it's it's there's anxiety right now. And all this stuff, as it lands on them, it really feels new. And it's real I showed them the elephant man recently. Like wow. that was crazy. What a big experience that and I remember when I was 10 when it came out and that flabbergasted me then but yeah it's great to see old stuff land on them and it really does it's you retune into stuff we're also showing them taxi right now and even that i've seen taxi a million times a million (laughs) times and all those jokes hit like brand new now watching them watch laka or watching them watch danny devito it's brand new and it's really entertaining like suddenly it all feels fresh and hits fresh yeah that vicarious thing is is helpful because truly when you were talking about that film festival i was like that is kind of what i need too because then it's like mandatory viewing and that's right part part of why i started this month i was like maybe some of my friends will say like like you know i i I had my friend uh fran hoffner on and she was like let's watch this movie local hero and i'm like i've never seen it yes a movie i was assigned uh, something i have to watch for quote i do action boys which is a weekly action movie podcast and just the idea that it's like i'm gonna sit down and watch carlito's way today and it's like that having an assignment really fucking helps me feel like you know, as you a quick vi- aside, have you guys seen Action USA yet? No, no, but the guys sent us a, a link. Uh, the good. creator, yeah, I, I'm so I'm so hyped for it. It's one, so good. <laughs> one of the Action Boys just got a projector set up in his backyard, and we're like, "Ooh, we should save this and all go watch together outside." We and did I think that. That's we, the, we found it at Kevin Beagle's house in his backyard, showing it to friends, and it was one that he <laughs> pulled out of a box on VHS. And uh, that movie is bananas for action fans. It's per- I can't wait. I can't and, wait. And again, yeah. yeah, with your buddies, when you can sit around and you can have a plate of barbecue and watch this insanity unfold. It's- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I miss we, my wife and I, I. I went to the movies at least once or twice a week. My wife would go with me twice a month, and like you know, there would be those like Venn diagram movies where she's like, I don't want to see that, or she's like, I want don't see this one without me. And since she has yes. like a job that has to become like a nighttime thing or a date thing, and I don't mind that at all because it's so enjoyable for the two of us too. Because then it's like. We're back home and we're still talking about the movie, thinking about the movie the next day. It's like, hey, I looked up that screenwriter. She also wrote this. Should we watch this next week since we really liked And it's like, yes, let's definitely rent that. I'm like, you know, and like, I just love that sort of organic following like you're talking about with your film festival or following Francis Ford Coppola. And it all started from, for me, being slightly younger than you based on uh, what you're talking about here, that vhs cover in the store it's like what is that movie oh mm-hmm. i can't rent that this time dad okay but now mm-hmm. i'm gonna remember the one that has like you know the lady's legs and a gun i want to see this movie eventually like oh that one has chuck norris in what i think is the jungle nice chuck norris in what i think is the desert nice like those movies are just i have yeah. so many covers burned into my head of movies that i couldn't even that are all conflated into one movie in my mind but that that's a, that's so much fun though when you finally catch up with something 20 years later and you're like wait a minute i've one of the reasons i did um uh, I, there was a podcast that we only got halfway through this this project but the thing was called 80s all over and the point was we went through month by month starting january 1980 and reviewed literally Every single film that came out that month. Because <laughs> imagine you talk, why you needed to take a break from that. <laughs> when you talk about the 80s, there's like 38 movies people talk about, and that's the 80s. And that's way more. There were way more movies than people remember and crazy films that people don't talk about. And it was really exciting to me because there was stuff that I remember from video stores. I remember covers, and I never got to see those films. And so going through and doing the show, there were things that I finally filled in. And it's like 40 years later, and there suddenly I finally see humanoids from the deep. Yeah. And it's like, ah, <laughs> boom, okay. Did not live up to that cover, but I am so glad it's in my head finally. And That's Dr. Yeah. Giggles for me. I was like afraid of it for a decade. Oh, then I okay. finally got the inspo to watch it. I watched it. I was like, this movie's not even good. Can't believe it had this much power over me for a decade. I can't believe I was scared of it, of a piece of fucking cardboard in the, in the store at fucking Palmer Video or whatever, Hollywood. Hollywood Coast, these are West Coast Video, Hollywood Video, Blockbuster Video. Those were all the local spots on Long Island that I would always hit up. Look, we all have a ton of stuff to do. We're all super busy. We all got, you know, we're all our own employers, our doctors, our own. We're, you know, we have to take care of ourselves. And one thing you can do is give yourself less to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. Like, you want Chinese pizza? I don't know about you, but I I got this dope Indian spot by me that I order from DoorDash once a week as a sort of like life reaffirming move that makes me just feel better. It's a treat. I'm glad to have someone else deliver it. It comes on time, all that stuff. So now you can continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. Uh, it's a simple, easy-to-use app. It's got 300,000 partners in U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. Uh, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your lo- favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factories on there. I might have to go get myself. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what I'm ordering from Cheesecake. That's too personal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now directly to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. 
DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities that they operate in safe. Many of your favorite local dishes are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and the food will be left at your door. And here is the most important part. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code MIGHTY. 25% off, up to a $10 value, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter code mighty don't forget that's mighty m-i-g-h-t-y for 25 percent off your first order with doordash subject to change terms apply you know what i did i'm recording this ad at nighttime so i put a little feels under my tongue as i'm recording the feels ad just to get that whole vibe going what is feels you're asking well, it's premium CBD delivered direct to your doorstep. What is CBD, you're asking? Uh, well, that's a question you can use to call the CBD hotline. Uh, you can get real human support, and it can help guide you through your personal experience. But um, it's a natural way to help reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Um, as I as I say in these ads, I take I have a little in the morning with my coffee, and then a little bit in conjunction with some other bedtime stuff. And... I just took a couple of drops right now because I was feeling it because I wanted to talk to you guys about feels. Look, and here's the thing. It's membership. You join the community and you get feels delivered to your door every month. And there's no hangover. There's no addiction. It's CBD. If uh, And truly, I feel like at this point, you might know what CBD is. And if you don't, they got you taken care of with their hotline. So just use that. Become a member and get 50% off your first order. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash mighty, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash mighty to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash mighty. Let's talk a little bit about like movie theater rituals. Do you have any specific sure. rituals uh, that you go to, or do you have any specific like? Oh, I'm going to definitely take my kid to this premiere or this movie. Oh, they would like this one. Yeah. Do you have any like? So run me through a few of these because these are my favorite shit to talk about with movie heads. Well, I have you know when you talk about how you have movies that you'll see with your wife and movies that you see by yourself or that you know she's not interested in. I juggle that with every – because I kind of curate for the people in my life. Like I know that my girlfriend, there's stuff she really likes that she's going to want to go see, and so I'll make sure she goes to those. There's stuff that my kids love, um, and both of my kids have been raised on this with the idea being that they never had to. Like it was never about you have to watch movies with me. They both at different times had that moment where they came and said, now I really want to start watching stuff. And then you start introducing. As soon as you know they're interested, then it's like, great. Well, I'll show you as much as you're curious about. And you yeah. start following their interests. So um, they, they're they like – they're Marvel kids certainly, but uh, they're big monster – like monster crazy. Uh, my oldest kid is a Godzilla fan, but his name is – Okay, here I'm a giant film nerd. Um, I figured McWeenie was a hard enough handle to walk around with <laughs> that I, I wanted them to stop at the first name, never get there. Um, so his – and uh, my ex-wife is Argentinian. So we already went into it with we're from different cultures. Any name is on the table. <laughs> right, And then right. she found one on my list and I was like, are you serious? And she's like, I am serious. I'm like, I, this is awesome. So his name is Toshiro. Oh, awesome. <laughs> After Toshiro Mifune. And, <laughs> yes. Um, 
And for a half Argentinian, half super white kid, that's a that's a handle, man. <laughs> and uh, and he loves it. Like he has grown up. He is such a film nerd now. And he's like Kubrick crazy at this point. And oh, um, cool. That was one of my he's first. Just at that age where too. yeah. yeah. His birthday this year, we did uh, we I for his birthday every year, I curate specifically to a theme, and it's always stuff that his little brother can't see, that he's old enough for now. Uh, that so it's, it's special like, for him. Yeah, oh, that's he comes over cool. by himself and has two or three days where it's just movies for him. And so he was the first one to hit the Tarantino mark. He was the first one to oh. cross into certain. T- he saw Goodfellas one year, and then the summer before he started high school, I showed him Dazed and Confused. I was like, this is the movie to me that encapsulates that first night where you go out and you break rules and you stay out with older kids and they kind of initiate you into their world a little bit. And when you're when the you paradigm realize, shifts a little and you don't yeah. know how or why and retroactively you could go like the night the cops flash their sirens when I was peeing on that uh, swing set <laughs> is the night and when I was in ninth grade where shit just changed forever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's so funny. And I thought, and I thought that was a perfect one. This this past year, I I realized he's starting to get to that age where he's watching a lot of YouTube. He's watching a lot of stuff that I'm not a filter for at all, and right, I'm not right. there to process with him. And it wigs me out because you know there's some crazy shit online, and and people get radicalized like that if they're not paying attention. Yeah. So I showed and, him this and year in the in truly harmless ways. They're radicalized where they're obsessed with like fucking you know a yeah. Twitch DJ or in very dangerous ways where yeah. you could be radicalized and be like, got it. I know what I need to do to save America. And you're like, how'd you get that from fucking like fun <laughs> dip videos? Or Minecraft videos? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's terrifying a little bit. So I, we, this year was all about programming and how you get programmed as a young man, especially. And so I showed him Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah. I showed him Fight Club. And I showed him Full Metal Jacket, and it was a it was a big year in terms of impact for him. But um, talking with him afterwards, you you get to watch like how those things. It's like you fire something into them, and then shrapnel comes out, and it's ver- right. and whatever. It's fascinating, and he really is by leaps and bounds. I think getting smarter and getting better able to digest stuff and really pull text apart. And he's hungry now. Like he comes over and he'll put stuff out on a shelf and just, I want to see this. I want to see this. And some of them he's not ready for. And some of them I'm like, I guess you're here. All right. One foot that's over the really cuckoo's fun. nest. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fun. Uh, one of the guys co-hosts of the Action Boys has a son too, who's like uh, 10 or 11 and is constantly like, I let him watch this one with me. And like, I thought it would be okay to watch this movie. And then hearing like, he sat down and he loved he loved this movie. Oh, that's so and like you have this thing where you're like, oh yeah, I didn't think that that would be a problem for a kid, but yeah, that makes sense. You don't want to, yep. sh- and so it, and also you don't want to be fully like this is our jock dad moment, right? Of like, oh, he picked up the soccer ball like his pop, or like it he's gonna play football, bit, yeah. and so you're a little bit like, okay, so um, I don't want to, I don't want you to hate. Quentin Tarantino. So uh, let me. Okay, and it's it's kind of fun where you can like. That would be my proud dad moment. Would be like my son Dude, watching. Stuff like, doesn't land sometimes. There's stuff right? that I show them that I showed the other night. They they're watching Monty Python right now, and oh. which great flying circus. Here we go, and they and they like it, and they'll put a python on and they'll laugh. And so I suggested maybe you'd like some other comedy stuff. I put on a Kids in the Hall. Twelve minutes in, done. 
just wasn't working. And I was like, all right, it's something about the tone or something about the, the something's pacing. not clicking. I think my guess Fine. would be pacing because kids in the hall, little, a little slower and a little like, and a little isn't character. it funny that I'm in a wig? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely. And so I was like, fine, no worries. Friday night we watched, um, uh, they, they, we watched the Mandalorian first and then, uh, Hell yeah. th- they wanted a movie. And so I put on the warriors, mm. which I was like, let's see. The verdict was, that was pretty cheesy, Pop. It was fun. But that was pretty cheesy. Even you've got to admit that. And it's <laughs> funny because they, it really is now we're looking at some of these things and it landed hard when we were young, man, because of when it was and because that style was still fairly recent and it still looked like our memory of thing. And yeah, some of it just it, some of it has aged as cheese. And, and uh, yeah. Isn't that fun to hear from like your kid, like that they can like articulate that, like they can watch this movie and go, I like, that's like such a level of depth that would, you'd be a proud dad moment of like, I see why people might like this, but not for me, dad. Like that's such an adult belief system rather than like it sucks or all right, fine. I love it. Like that's such a wonderful thing to hear from a kid. Well, and the fact that they'll say they didn't like something, I really want them to tell me like. Yeah. If we're watching stuff, tell me what you're liking, because then you'll like the next thing I program for you. Like, otherwise, right. it's Forget. just in the dark. Yeah, you fuck Netflix algorithm. I want McWeenie's algorithm. That's the move. It's always right word of mouth is always better, man. It's always personal when you when you talk to somebody and you get to know them. And I've always said as a critic, like it's it doesn't matter if you agree with me or disagree with me. I'm not as a critic. My job has never been to tell somebody you will like this movie. My job is to tell you what I thought of it and to then describe it in right. as full of sense as I can so that if you agree with me a lot or if you disagree, you still have a standard you can use. You can still read me if you disagree with me and go, well, I think he's a lunatic, so I'll probably love this. He hated right. it, and I know that I always disagree with him on this kind of film, so <laughs> there's value in that, man, as long as it's consistent and I can make my case. Um, when you talk about ritual, man, I, I, I have rituals like I'll – uh, anytime Lawrence of Arabia plays in Los Angeles, I will in 70 millimeter, I will find someone who hasn't seen the movie and I will take them to see it in 70 millimeter. Oh, that's cool. That's a my fun favorite one. movie. And it has to be a scene on a big screen. You can't watch that one at home. There are certain films that I truly think you don't have the experience until you've seen it in a theater. Yeah. And so like, I'll do that one every single time. And I had a friend tell me one time that he was going to, he was going to make it to the intermission. And at the intermission, if he was not feeling it, he was going to tap out. And I was like, dude, I can't ask more than that. And yeah, we went out for the intermission. in 20, in the yeah, 20 well, aughts or whatever. Yeah. Three hours and 20 <laughs> minutes. I get it, dude. I, I would not want anybody to strap in for that long if they were not enjoying themselves. But we got to the intermission and we walked out and he was just lit up and he was like, I can't. Oh, my God. I didn't think it was this. And I was like, I know it's, it's whatever you think that movie might be. It's probably not. So. Ooh, that's a, such a fun tradition. The the rewatch of a classic in a re, in a rerun theater is like such a, or a favorite doesn't even have to be a classic necessarily. Yeah. It's such a thing that I didn't do in New York all too often. I you know I because movie theaters, believe it or not, I got into it like right before I moved. But like to see any like mainstream movies that were coming out, there was and I lived in Brooklyn. It was like there there's an IMAX at 66th Street, Union Square. There's no assigned seating, so it's like a hassle. But going to like the Angelica or something like that is so awesome. Oh, so I it's love got the like Angelica. that mix. Yeah. It's got that weird mix. But I lived near Cobble Hill Cinemas, which uh, was a small 
theater and they had like uh, $5 matinee Tuesdays and Thursdays or something. And that was just like a dream come true for a poor kid. But they yeah. never had that rerun shit. Here in, in LA, it's so frequent and it's so like get, getting to see a movie you loved. Like I watched The Shining last Halloween on the big screen and I was oh. like, I have never seen this. Also, if you're born in 1982, there's and there's a ton of movies you didn't see in the theater. You just yeah. could not physically have. So getting to go back and see some of these is like, here's a here's a fun theater, a, a very specific theater experience. My wife and I skipped Christmas in New York with our family a couple of years ago and went straight to Europe. We had no breaks that year for work, so we just like, sorry, this is for us. And on Christmas morning in Paris, watched. Ferris Bueller's Day Off in a small awesome. little boutique cinema uh, in English with French subtitles and in a crowded theater with all French people. And he says, and the phrase, pardon my French, is said twice in that movie. And That's I never awesome. noticed that, but it hits so much harder watching it in Paris. And it was so, I'm like, babe, I can't believe this is what we're doing on Christmas morning. We're like French subtitles. People are laughing 30 seconds after the two obnoxious Americans. And it's such a weird, it's such a weird experience. And what a great and that's a great movie city. That is a city that loves its movies and where the, where revival theaters are a huge part of the diet where yes. you absolutely just routinely can go to the paper and there's American films and European films and it's an unbelievable diet that's presented to you. Yeah, when I moved here yeah, it was the, that way. The little Cinematheque thing that I went to had like four or five 20 to 30 seat theaters in uh, this little room and they were all it was literally like a small apartment building where it was like, what's behind this door? And it's like 25 seats and a big screen, 25 seats and a big screen. Nothing what a too dream major. To program. I what, know. <laughs> I, that is just, oh, I mean, what a thrill to be able to know that every day you're going to be able to, in, in these rooms, do these things to, to audiences and that they'll uh, show up, that they will actually be there for it. You uh, Programming movies is like one of my favorite things to do. It's like just telling someone like, oh, if you like this movie, playing human algorithm for people whose taste you yeah. can wrap your head around is like one of the more joyous experiences of being a movie head in life is like, and your friend coming back to you and being like, holy shit, you're right, dude. That movie hits fucking, you know, like, oh yeah, I love, and I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Like, yes, you're right. That is a, a very good uh, ex uh, performance by whoever. You're like, yes, nailed it. There's yeah. like a little success to that. Well, and it's also nice because I, I've I've shown things to people where it just didn't work. And there's nothing, especially like if it's a really dear film to you, there are certain films that I love that are integral to who I am that I am very cautious in showing people because they're specific, man. Like Brazil by Gilliam or With yes. Nail and I. Man, those movies don't automatically land for everybody. I've learned with With Nail and I, I really got to know somebody before I drop that one on them. Like it's yeah. very specific and not everybody's sense of humor and not everybody's sense of what's, what's even funny or worth looking at is the same. Um, it's that tough, happens man. To me, that happened, that happened to me kind of hard at, and you get like personally offended in a weird way and you know, you shouldn't, right? It's like, hard not to. Yeah. yeah. I didn't make it, but how my, my wife has worse ADD than me. And so, uh, I want to show her one of these movies that you're discussing, one of these, like, I believe this is my personality movie, a movie that I watched growing up that touched me in ways. I, a good example of a movie is you watch it when you're 12 and you love it for one reason. You watch it when you're 25 and love it for a different reason. And then when yeah. you watch it again at 35, you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I was watching it. 
this movie I'm currently talking about is Defending Your Life. I love that fucking movie. It's a great so movie. So great fucking movie. much. Yes. So great. Streep, Brooks, so good. Showed it to my wife. She had never seen it. It does have a bit of a slow start, uh, like most movies from that era, and especially Albert Brooks movies. And it was like, I could see her losing attention, and I overcompensated and went a little too hard in the like, oh, wait, you, you don't want to miss this part. and like Or like pausing and jumping back and be like, no, this is cool. This is Rip Torn. You're going to love this character. And I yeah. sold it too hard, and then I'm like- we like she didn't finish it. She fell asleep. I finished it, and like she was like, "I'm sorry, I didn't like that." And I and I was like, cold, like we had fought the night before, and I was embarrassed. <laughs> like I, I truly was embarrassed. Where I was like, "No, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. I don't like. It's a movie. It's you have. Everyone has different tastes." And I'm like, and I was mostly mad at myself for like I should have waited till I should have showed it a little earlier. I I had like all these things. I'm like, I knew I shouldn't have showed it when we were drinking wine. I knew it should have been like I had all these, and I'm like, just yep. get over. People didn't like yep. the movie. You like move on. You're she's still your wife. You've been with her for twenty years. Shit's not changing now. <laughs> yeah, um, dude. Quick, uh, defending your life story. When I first moved to LA and I uh, was working at the theater where I was the um, where they did all the test screenings, they brought that in repeatedly. Um, he was uh, Albert was trying to figure out whether or not they were going to leave the prologue on it. That movie originally had a much longer prologue where oh. they showed like his life. They showed examples of his life and places where he failed and he wasn't brave and they like had a much longer day and it was all intricately written and intricately performed and all part of the birthday build up and then ended with him getting hit by the car in the opening titles then you go and the big debate evidently between he and Geffen was Geffen just wanted all that gone and he just wanted start the movie birthday car dead boom and they were at one point testing them side by side we had two theaters they were playing both versions of the film to different audiences and Brooks and Geffen came out about 15 minutes into the screening and had a screaming match in the lobby. Oh. And the entire time I'm standing like I'm camouflaged, motionless against something about 40 feet away thinking, please don't notice I'm here because this is the most amazing thing I've ever watched. And I don't want anybody to tell me to leave and just <laughs> watch them go at it about this movie. Um, LA is amazing for that reason. Like, it's just so exciting. Like that story alone, just if you saw them shake hands in the street, you'd be like, you won't believe what I saw today. <laughs> like, like that's such a fucking powerhouse. This is like a way lower stakes version. But I one time saw John Lovitz and John Legend talking to each other at a car wash. And I was like, that's a very funny pair of famous yeah. John L's. <laughs> yeah. How how would did you plan that? Were you just yeah. <laughs> is today is it the day alphabetical that alphabetical order day? <laughs> uh, oh, that's so fucking fun. Uh, that test screening shit. Uh, here, movie theater uh, experiences. Yeah, talking about talking about fun ones. I fucking saw, and I don't know what one of those situations where it just blew my mind. I took an Uber by myself to go see. Um, Interstellar in 70 millimeter when it came out. I am a Nolan bro. I do like his movies. I don't like swear by him. The Batman ones are like the least intriguing to me. But seeing Interstellar in the theater by myself in 70 mil, I had taken an uh, Uber because I, I was I'm like I'm getting like Interstellar level stoned because it's going to be a long movie, and I watch it. And I'm I'm crying during it. I'm crying in the Uber home thinking about it. I text my one of my best friends back east, uh, and I go like, dude, did you see Interstellar yet? It fucking changed my life. And he's like, how? And I was like, um, you know what? <laughs> Let me get back to you. And I, the next day I called him. I'm like, 
yeah, I don't know if it changed my life so much, but I really <laughs> enjoyed that movie. And I was like, he's like, what do you think you meant by that? And I couldn't even place it. And I was like, yeah, all right. Well, I, I, I was maybe caught up in my own personal shit, I think, at that time. A lot of yeah. love connection and like music. Like the fucking, so much of that movie hit me and I just was changed and transformed and then in, unable to articulate how or why and realizing in hindsight, I was like, oh, you know, drugs are intense sometimes. <laughs> oh, I, when I first moved here, that was, I, I, you know, I was much younger. I was early 20s when I moved to LA. And um, uh, my buddies and I uh, would figure out what the, the Cinerama Dome would do their 70 millimeter festival and they would show yeah. nothing but classic titles in 70 millimeter and they'd each play for like four or five days. And so we block the whole thing out and then I had a babysitter. I had a dude that would come with me and I would drop acid and go see these movies in the 70 millimeter <laughs> festival. And his whole job was, if you're ever out of control, just get me the fuck out of the theater. Just make sure I'm out and I don't do anything I'm going to regret later. And I'm, I just I've don't got my pants burn, on. But, yeah, true. And that's my that's why you're a fucking movie head. I don't like if I'm bugging out and disassociating from reality, let me do it in the parking lot, please. Don't let me ruin movies experiences for anyone else. I fucking love that. That was more important than you're like, look, if I'm coding, you know, do the defibrillators in the hallway. I can't ruin the movie for anybody. Yeah. I, I don't want to. It's 2001, man. Let's not fuck it up. It's but yeah, I, I went and saw Apocalypse Now that way, which unbelievable that's i it Holy was shit. the jungle it was the craziest <laughs> experience and uh 2001 and 2001 was he used to laugh at me he said the first hour of 2001 you looked fine the second hour you were pinned to the back of your seat and didn't move and then the third hour i felt like i had to restrain you from going up to just try to climb into the screen you just <laughs> looked like you were you gone. want to join them <laughs> yeah coming frank and I, I got lucky. Like those, those were all great experiences. Um, we went and saw Jurassic Park the summer that came out, like that, and that was a terrible, terrible idea. I regretted <laughs> that one enormously um, because it was sold out. It was opening weekend. I'd already seen it, so I knew it was coming. But and I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll enjoy it. No, we're in the middle of the old Avco downstairs where there's sixty people on either side to get to an aisle. We're right dead center. So to get out, I would have had to go over all those people. The T-Rex <laughs> kicks in. And I don't know if you remember what it was like in theaters when Jurassic Park came out. But during that T-Rex attack, the temperature would change because people would stop breathing. And the temperature yeah. would go up. People would get sweaty during that sequence. It was crazy. And every time That's I saw That's one of my the first theater experiences I remember is like that and T2. And I don't know the yeah. years off the top of my head. But those are like 91, 93. Early, so. Yeah. Those are like early theater experiences for me. Putting me at like 10, 9 or 10 seeing them. And fucking mind blow Jurassic Park I great so I was probably sitting next to you while you're 10 and I'm on acid <laughs> so I feel really bad about that um <laughs> I'm very I sorry. That's I, why, hey, I would, you know, I'd like the fucking evolution of man. I'd eventually move over one seat and be the drug adult, big dude in yeah. a beard watching a movie. Don't worry. Dude, but that one, that one got intense because it started to feel a little too real. It started to feel a little too 3D. And I'm like, I can't get out if I want to. Oh, no. Um, that reminds me of when me and my wife went to go see Ready Player One in 4DX because I was like, this movie's going to be so dumb and crazy. Let's see it in 4DX. That's where we they're blowing the water at you and the seat yeah, and shake. The and the, yeah. And shit. Yeah. yeah, we were like, fuck it. Let's just go for it. <laughs> I did. I ate a bunch of edibles. She was so mad because she's like, I want the movie was so bad. I wanted to fall asleep. And the fucking chair moves like every, every minute. It just yeah. jolts Ooh. you awake. Wake like, back up. 
never again. She's like, at the arc light, I can at least close my eyes and miss the whole movie and not care. Like, I've watched my wife sleep through multiple Star Wars and or Marvel movies. We saw Solo and she slept through like uh, 90 minutes of it. I was like, oh. get your... I don't mind paying for tickets if she, uh, she's taking the ride with. I watched it. <laughs> I can't sleep during a movie because I'm too like it's it's actually a, a bad habit of mine. If I put on a movie at eleven, I can't fall asleep to it. I'll just yeah. won't be able to go to sleep until the movie ends, unless I get distracted and I'm looking up like women lifting weights on Instagram or something, and then I can. <laughs> Whatever can break I, uh, my attention from the movie can uh, can help me head off to bed as well. I definitely think it's it's one of those things. I think theaters when I moved to LA were different in terms of the culture here. Um, these days, the ArcLight is way more corporate. The ArcLight being what the Cinerama Dome used to be. The dome yeah. isn't really the dome anymore. Like they don't use it that way. They don't use it in the revival way. So it's a lot more corporate. I would feel weird now. I think if I did any of those things in movie <laughs> theaters right now, because it is like AMC and corporate and right. I, right, I right. think there was more of a, a sense, and maybe it was because I had worked in them for so long. But I got used to thinking of them as uh, sort of a playground. Like I also saw a lot of bad behavior. People were. I've seen people do terrible things in movie theaters. I think if you work in them long enough. You just get used to the idea that oh, people really don't have any boundaries when they're people inside are a movie theater. Monsters, yeah. yeah, they don't care. Like they really uh, don't care. Work in retail or restaurant service anywhere, and you just eventually learn that humans are disgusting <laughs> monsters, and you and you're so self aware of your own behavior where you're you're like next thing you know you're like pick up your fucking soda. Yeah. You just oh, leave yeah. that on the floor, you monster. No. And like people that are with you are like, oh, right. That's like me when I go to the beach. I've been, you know, working. I was a lifeguard at the beach for like eight years, like working at the beach forever. When I'm at the beach now, I have the same sort of like re- retired employee, like coming back. <laughs> like that vibe where you're like, I know what this, I know what all you motherfuckers are. That's you in the theater. It's like, yeah. this guy's doing acid. This chick is, she's sneaking in. This guy's doing blank. <laughs> you're like, all right, Drew, just watch the movie, Mr. X movie theater guy. <laughs> I uh, I had a friend one time. We we were gonna do this and go to Fantasia, and he got there. And I think he thought we were all going to the same theater. He was. He went to a different theater, and oh, so <laughs> we all got in. We all saw Fantasia loaded and had a good time. The theater he went to, he stayed in the parking garage, thinking he was at the same place we were. Took the acid, got ready, then went upstairs to buy the movie ticket, and it was sold out. And he was like, I. I don't know what to do. I'm, I don't know where to go. So he bought the other ticket for the other movie that was playing, not really knowing what it was, and just went in. It was Postcards from the Edge, which is <laughs> if you, the Carrie Fisher, I'm sorry I did drugs. Drugs are terrible and addiction will ruin your life movie. Yeah. Drugs will make your life go to the <laughs> Yeah. So that was his trip. And uh, as I understand, it ended about halfway through the movie with a phone call to his mom. And uh, yeah. It, not good, man. That'll do it. That'll not do it. Not good. This, while we're just talking about bad movie theater experiences, I'm on a date with a girl from my lifeguarding class to go see um, The Devil's Advocate. I must be 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Fully sold out night. It's the premiere night. Uh, we are 
And like we're two seats, not on the edge in the middle. We have like p- strangers sitting on both sides of us and we make out and grope each other for like 90 minutes. I'm just like pure horny 15 year old energy of just like all over groping hands up shirts and stuff for 90 minutes of this movie with two adults like just sitting next to us in hindsight. It's the most insane behavior ever. And the movie's crazy. And it's like, are these kids charged up from the sexuality of Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino? <laughs> yeah, of all the movies so to gross. set you off, wildly inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd like to apologize to Erin. I will leave your last name out of this, but <laughs> sorry if I ruined the movie Devil's Advocate for you, and you can't watch it without thinking of that. <laughs> oh my God! No, I, uh, I, 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 and this is this is the stuff I miss. I miss the. I miss the fact that you know you could you could meet buddies you could spend a day. I miss when I used to go to uh, I, I was a uh, tour guide at Universal for a little while, and uh, I would go up to Universal City Walk, and on my days off I would use my ID to get into the park and then walk in through the uh, back employee entrance to the theater and then just theater hop all day, and then just watch movies all day. And I I miss that. That's a that's something that you can't. The experience isn't the same at home when you get to go see like three movies in a day with your friends and and you're avoiding theater employees. And I, those are very real, tangible memories, man. And Oh, it feels it's that extra indulgence. You used to do that in Brooklyn every once in a while. It'd be like a rainy day. It'd be like, all right, we're going to see two movies and we're yeah. only paying for one. You want to talk about here's a here's a brutal pairing. We went to go see a movie. We saw Mona Lisa Smile, I think, which is like a Julia Roberts like yep. light airy rom-com bullshit i don't remember anything about it except we hated it my wife picked it It was miserable my then girlfriend we were like all right let's sneak into another movie i'm like whatever movie's about to start soon we're just going in we go in that movie united 93 (laughs) (laughs) and then and then here's the here's the highlight on the way out and maybe maybe i'm conflating two different movie stories might have been a different movie if anyone's looking at calendars right now but what it was definitely United 93 was the movie we snuck into. And then when we came out, there was signage that's like, portions of ticket proceeds go to the victims of the 9-11 family. And we were like, that's the movie theater. That's the one we sneak into, the one that has a charity component. Uh, we feel racked with guilt. We go home and donate $20. We're broke college kids. We donate $20 to like a 9-11 family fund because we feel so dumb and bad. <laughs> When you were a kid, did you sneak in to see stuff that you weren't allowed to see ratings-wise? Was that something that you pulled off, or was it mainly video for you where you saw things? It was mainly video where I saw things, and then my dad was enough of an action movie fan and uh, worked nights, worked 3 to 11. So in the summer or on a weekend day, if a movie was out that he wanted to see, and summer had a lot of good ones, he would be like, I'm taking you to see Terminator 2. And nice. it's like, yeah. The summer for us growing up was the beach. Every single day, my dad went to the beach, took us to the beach, and was like, play in the water while I read the paper for and drink coffee for three hours. Then I'm going to drive home, hose you down with a hose, and I'm going to drive to work, and you guys do whatever the fuck you want. But every <laughs> once in a while, it would be raining, and he'd be like, all right, get in the car. We're going to the movies. And we'd be like, yes, the movies meant like a little bit time at the arcade. You know, like it had like all these yeah. little fun components. But I, that's how I saw Terminator 2. And that's the movie that I remember being like, holy shit. Like that set me off for life. Like on 
made me want to lift weights, made me want to watch action movies, maybe like everything about my life. I feel like I could trace back to Terminator Two, just sending me uh, into it. Like I was scared as like what I thought was like a little tough little boy. You know what I mean? I got like scared by a movie that wasn't really scary, but I felt like. In other words, I was just affected by it, but didn't know yeah. at the time. And I was like, everything about I hadn't I hadn't seen Terminator One even. You know what I mean? Like it was just like the eight. And then I I came back and I was like, dink. I was like, I have to see Terminator One. Who's Arnold Schwarzenegger? And like everything from then on was like Conan the Bar. But what is this? You know, like I just yeah. everything just kicked me off down a path. And then it was video store for nights when. Uh, and then a lot of stuff was like. My parents were party animals, so if we like went away for the weekend or like we were down in Florida and the hotel had like movie rental, it would be like, okay, you guys get to pick a movie tonight, so we can all go get wasted, you know? As <laughs> like, and so there was a lot of these times where like picking a movie was like a thing to do, and it just burned into my head forever. And then yeah. eventually, when I got a car. I got my own car and I was so excited. I got first thing I did was get my own blockbuster card. And then every Friday night, I worked uh, six to 11 as a lifeguard at uh, to 11 p.m. I would watch two movies starting at 11.20 p.m. I'd like drive to Blockbuster, get my two movies, and I would already know what they are. And it would be one dumb, fun thing and one like what I thought was like a homework movie. It would be like Taxi Driver and Anchorman or whatever. You nice. know what I mean? I would just like power through movies like that. And Friday nights was just like a – and my mom would be like, aren't your friends doing anything? I'd be like, nope, I'm watching Blade Runner by myself for the first time. And I like – just I would be like, Dad, what other movies are cool movies? And then my dad worked in the city, uh, in New York City, at Fox 5. So his friends, even though he was like, a, got married young and had three kids, some of his friends were what now in hindsight were 30-year-old, 35-year-old city hipsters that yeah. worked in TV production. I didn't know, but my dad's friends would be like, Johnny! Oh, my dad, my dad had this one friend, Murph, who's just like, looked like... Uh, not Alan Tudyk, who's uh, Cameron from... Uh, oh, uh, Fer- Alan, Alan uh, Rudd. Uh, Ru- Alan Ruck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Alan Ruck, yeah, from Succession. He kind of looked like him in Spin City. He had like Sally Jesse Raphael glasses suspenders. He was such a hipster. And he would just be like, oh, Johnny, blah, blah. And he would make jokes. Like he had like a Dennis Miller sense of humor where it would be like, looks like we got a little Rashomon going here. I'd be like, what's that mean? He's like, oh, it's a movie by... And I'm like, who? Seven Samurai? Uh, you know, uh, Magnificent yep. Seven, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like... I would meet my dad's friend Murph for like an hour and go home with like 10 movies that I had to see. So next time I saw him, I'd be like, I loved Mean Streets. You were right. It is like Goodfellas, but like grittier, you know? And he'd be like, and he'd be like so proud to be telling this 14, 15, 17 as I got older kid about movies. And then in hindsight, I just had found a 38-year-old version of my, like like I'd found my McQueenie who was like, hey, do you know anything about movies? You're like, knuckle crack? Yes, kid. Like he was like a childless 40-year-old man who was like, crack knuckles? Here you go. Let me introduce you to the shelf. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it was just like a dream come true. And to get to be that for other people via this podcast and Action Boys and in person is like such a fun thing. Screaming for people to see the movie Good Time when they hadn't. It's like that. That's just like a version of a movie to me that I was like, I'm so glad I know ten people saw that movie because I made them. Oh yeah. That makes me happy that that got ten more views. (laughs) Like that film in particular. There's I, there's stuff that you know I I think my the greatest feeling I get like that is when we would go to festivals and you would see stuff that didn't have a distributor yet and you would really start talking it up trying to make sure that people paid attention. Festivals right. can be terrifying for like a little film 
if you don't necessarily have the backing going in. It was great to watch stuff that you really believed in, then get picked up and then get released. And whether or not it was a hit was almost unimportant. It was just the idea that it got its day in court, man. And I, I do think that uh, that is the most like direct advocate version of what a film critic could do. A lot right. of times, yeah, a lot of times today there was a meme going around, which was uh, everybody on film Twitter has a film that you th- that is their movie that you think of when you think of them. And I think for a lot of film critics, it's because there's stuff that we fought for really hard where you saw something, you fell in love with it. And you just kept yelling about it for a full year. Like, go see this. Yeah. And I do think you value get your- added to the scape of cinema. If to the landscape of cinema, if people saw this film, like you could just know you're like, just more people need to see this. I know not a lot are, but just as many as we can, I have no financial interest in this film, but I just yep. think like if you like me or trust my taste or no movies, you got to go see this insert blank here. Yeah. Yeah. There is something really I, I think there's something great about when you find something you, you're so passionate about that you're trying to like, impress upon people. I I'm amazed at how few films most people go see. And that's something I had to get my head around because I'm you know, I'm used to at least once or twice a week being in a movie theater. Right. Typically in, in normal times. And I, the stats say that for most people, two or three theatrical trips a year is normal. So anything more than that, you are pretty much a film fan or you're uh, an aggressive film fan. That's mind-boggling me. But I think a lot of people don't go see a ton of films in the theater anymore. I think that that habit has changed. It's definitely not what it once was. I hope it comes back after all this. I, I hope that people now have a sort of nostalgia for something that maybe they had gotten used to, it's there, I don't have to go do it because I know it's there. And maybe now that they've had it forcibly cut off for a little while, that experience will have some value again. Yeah, and I wonder like, also what steps movie theaters might take to like lure us back in. Oh, they're going to have to be aggressive. Us, not us, meaning you and I, guys who are just dying for it to open. <laughs> you got my money, don't yeah. worry about it. But like to make it more appealing to people and what, what that potentially means. Because you see a lot more like, we allow you to bring a beer in. So if you want a pregame with a movie before you go to the bar, like people, like small shit like that. I love just seeing more and more stuff like that. And I'm, I'm hoping uh, going to the movies becomes even more user friendly because they want to appeal to more people. You know what I mean? Well, I, I you know, uh, having gone, um, The first website that I was associated with for many years, Ain't It Cool News, was based out of Austin, Texas. And so I spent a lot of time in Austin for festivals and for special events. I never lived there, but that was certainly sort of a second film mecca that I would go to a lot. And that's a great movie town. They they love movies. And the Alamo Drafthouse, of course, a big part of that. Love it. Yeah. It was so frustrating that we finally got one here in L.A. this year, just as everything closed. I had just really started going, man. And I was like, finally, finally, we have this model here in Los Angeles. And oh, and now everything's closed again. Okay. Yeah. I I had turned down a screening to go see The Gentleman, uh, whatever Uh the uh, Matthew McConaughey weed movie was, the new guy, Richie. I turned it it down to go see it because it was just as COVID was. And that would have been my first time going to the Alamo Draft House here in LA. And I missed it. And then- have never been able to go back. I live in I live in West Hollywood, so it's a little annoying to get over there. But I used to live around the I live around the block from Cine Family. That's gone. Yep. That was such a fucking nice treat. And I was able to walk to fucking. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a hike, but I enjoyed the walk. 
you know, a little stony walk down to New Beverly, see a couple of movies. I miss that so fucking much. I know. I know. And the I, my kids have listened to the me talk about the Alamo Draft House for years. The little one got to go in March for his birthday. We saw The Invisible Man, and oh. that was the weekend before everything shut down. Damn. <laughs> and so he's now had the Alamo experience, and the older one's like, yeah, I couldn't go that weekend because it was your birthday, so cool. So <laughs> yeah. the older one's like, not He's got the status of like, it. yeah, wait till you try the queso. It's like, shut yeah. up, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the little one's rubbed it in repeatedly since then. Yeah. yeah, I mean, God, I remember when I would go to the draft house and- you went once, man. Don't make your brother feel bad. But Right, right. <laughs> um, Drew, thank you so much for coming on High and Mighty and talking movies on I Miss Dude, Movies I'm Month. I'm so pleased to have been here. And it's good to meet you, Gabrus. I, I, yeah. I enjoy the show. And uh, obviously, if you have friends in LA comedy, you have friends of friends. And I feel like right, we circled exactly. each other for a while. So this was a long time coming. Yeah. So this was this. And this was a real delight. Uh, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. But of a recent, uh, before we get into your your personal plugs, of a recent rewatch or a recent release, has any uh, movie newly hit you in a, in a way where you're like, if you haven't seen this or if you have, you're due for a rewatch. Just aka for anyone who's sitting at home who just needs an assignment of a movie to watch just to get inspired. Like, what would you what would you throw their way? We'll each I, do uh, I I just I, I haven't seen this in many many years, um, and. I kind of was not going to watch it again because I got irritated by Ratchet when it showed up on Netflix this year. But I just watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for the first time in years. And I I grew up on this movie. Like, it was a movie I mainlined over and over. Uh, I had it on Laserdisc. I even remember where the, the side breaks were on Laserdisc because they were so <laughs> perfect. There's one where Nicholson's uh, be- talking to the doctor and he's got the nudie cards in his hand. And he goes, do you have any questions for me? And he goes, yeah, where do you think she lives? Side change. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but that had, that had been a movie I'd seen so many times that I got numb to it and watching it again. Um, a, I don't know what the fuck that Netflix show was. What movie were they? What movie did they see where nurse ratchet's a horror movie villain and it's campy and crazy and she's a monster. That, yeah, that's Ryan Murphy. That's the way he sees everything. So Dude, that was, <laughs> no that's choice. Nuts. Uh, watching it again, I'm struck by just how Beautiful a film that is, and it's heartbreaking to watch young Danny DeVito and young Christopher Lloyd. They're babies in that movie. They're so little. Brad Dourif in that film. That's yes. one of those that that having not seen it in a while and having put it on a shelf and and forgotten the nuance of it, rewatching it. Boy, does that film still hit hard. Boy, is it a reminder of how adventurous the seventies were. Um, I really feel like. One of the best things that could happen to theaters and to movie going after all this starts to open up is budgets are going to have to drop. We're not going to have giant movies anymore. We're not going to have $200 million movies for a while. We're going to have the ones they've already made, but no one's greenlighting a $300 million film tomorrow. No yeah, studio with, has with, the money in the bank right now. Yeah. And with the risk of fucking, you know, Chris Hemsworth getting COVID and being out for 14 yeah, days, like you can't insurance through the roof, all that shit. It's just great. This is our easy rider moment by accident. I feel like everybody's going to have to get adventurous. Everybody's going to have to get small. Everybody's going to have to get crazy again and bold. If you want people back in theaters, it's going to be stories and it's going to be characters that are going to get them back there, man. And I, I do yeah, feel like – yeah, it's, it's I like ex- the idea that you've said too that theaters are going to be like more so than studios. It's going to be theaters are going to be like – we got to figure out ways to get people in there. And if it is playing Jaws on the anniversary or yeah. we're go- 
even like on the smaller thing, it's like show me all five Avengers movies back to back to back. Like like I'll buy a, a pay big ticket for that or whatever. Like that kind of dumb shit. Like that shit is fun. Like make it fun again. I was watching Edgar Wright's Twitter feed over the summer, and London opened up for a little while at the end of the summer. <gasps> they had theaters again, and so he <laughs> yeah. was going as much as he could. And it sounds like that's what o- the Odeon chain in London was doing. Like everything was theme days and older things. And he, he listed one day where he saw like nine classics in a weekend. And he was like, <laughs> I've never seen any of these on the big screen. And now suddenly I've seen them all on a big screen and in essentially empty giant auditoriums. Oh. So I, I think hold on to that idea theaters. Cause that's a great notion. And clearly you got him in. I think any movie lover, if they had that opportunity, once we can go, um, we're all going to be desperate for it. We're going to be really hungry. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, my recommendation for a movie, I never saw it before I saw it for the first time, and I mentioned it earlier in this podcast, but I was listening to Chasing the Light, the Oliver Stone memoir, Yeah. Um, and it's pr- pretty interesting. It's not a great... It like goes up to the making of Platoon, so there, you know, it doesn't get into a lot of nitty gritty. It's mostly about his childhood. Interesting guy. I like uh, the writing but- stuff. I, I'm I'm with you on it's fascinating because it's the a lot of the early screenplay stuff, like the Conan screenplay and the things yes, that he yes, worked on, yes. where you're like, oh, okay, cool. I love that yeah. era of his work. Yeah, I would love to listen to anyone tell Arnold stories also, you know, of just course. for, <laughs> it's yeah. like hearing like <laughs> Greek legends, you know what I mean? Like we go to the beach and everyone, blah, blah. Uh, but I had never seen Salvador and, you know, James Woods is a, a problem now. Yeah. And uh, Belushi is a little bit of like a Jim Belushi's a guy you kind of like mock a little, uh, you know, uh, the, in this movie, which I had never seen. It was so weirdly conservative and lefty socialist and fascist um and then it's Woods and Belushi and Belushi is fantastic He's in it. Great and they, in it. Great. And maybe like and maybe part of the reason why it hit me so hard was watching the movie it was like this is a role I could play. There's rarely a role in like an interesting movie where it'd be like this makes sense for I could do that. But just seeing Belushi as sort of like the party animal American guy and I was like, "Oh yeah." And just seeing him go on full display and also just R movies, you know what I mean? R rated fucking movies, real R rated like, movies. Yeah, like real violence, real scary shit. Like, and James Woods sense- being so fucking funny, and I hate him now. But like, I know. <laughs> just seeing him <laughs> wasn't that exciting when when I was younger and I would see movies like that. Um, that, that was fourteen, fifteen when that came out. It was exciting because it felt like it was a movie for grownups, like just for grownups. Yes, and it felt like you had to do some work to figure out what was going on and. That was that that was the same era of like the killing fields and and yeah, it was a yes. lot of lefty politics, but it was fascinating because people made these movies that were messy and that didn't give you an answer to some of this stuff and they were unafraid to be like that. Uh, yeah, you it feels like if they made like that, that movie right now. now, it'd be like, I can't believe Oliver Stone sided with whoever. And it's like it's like not- to do it with the ironic distance of Adam McKay. Adam McKay right. makes everything a, a joke, so we can do movies about Bush, but we do it ironically and everybody's a little it's there's a weird it's less distance polarizing yeah, yeah it's less polarizing because it's comedy so people aren't like but like in a movie like the tone of some of these movies if they came out now people would be like oliver stone you're a terrorist and be yeah. like no you're just being so dramatic he doesn't believe this stuff he just made a movie about it relax or he does believe it but he's processing it on screen for us to learn uh, learn from uh, i think the most fascinating thing about him is that he is politically a different person every three years and when you watch yes. his film career you're like this dude has no like 
firm pit. He is learning it as he's he learns something and he turns around and goes, "Did you know this?" Like, well, even in his do. own personal history, like that lines up perfectly with the dichotomy <laughs> of enlisting as a, uh, uh, infantry and requesting infantry in Vietnam, uh, option choosing to go while also having had a. Uh, Full like going to Yale. Like I know that yeah. he could have stayed at Yale for instead of instead chose to go to Vietnam. So like the idea that he's this, the person that could do both of those things is kind of the Rosetta Stone to understanding his politics as movies go on, where it's like he goes from Salvador to platoon, and you're like, who's what? And that's kind of what's intriguing is like. I don't need a movie to be on a side. I'll be my own side. Hundred percent. Like I'll watch this movie and I'll I'll decide how I feel about it by the end. And it's like who can like he can be an, a charismatic person, but that doesn't mean he's not awful. I understand <laughs> you can be both. <laughs> um, but Drew, again, so thank you again. I and I'm gonna rewatch uh, Cuckoo's Nest now. Nice. I forgot you saying Brad Dourif reminded me that he's in it, and I I fucking love that dude. I just rewatched Deadwood at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, so I'm just like he's fresh in my mind of how great he is and shit. Um, but where can people find your stuff? If uh, like if people want to do the same thing I did and go, I like this guy's movie taste or I like his takes on shit. Where can I? Where can people read and see more of your stuff, bud? Um, I do the newsletter at drewmcqueenie.substack.com. Um, and it's called Formerly Dangerous, and it publishes a couple of times a week. Uh, one of them's free, so you can sign up for just the free version, and there's also a paid version. Um, and, uh, that's been liberating the idea that I have moved to a subscription model from being at these websites where I did clickbait headlines and I had to do all the stuff that you do to keep a website running and take assignments and shit. Yeah. yeah. It, it broke me after a while. It's, it almost made it to where I didn't enjoy movies anymore. And that is so bananas, such an insane idea that I would do this because I love them. And then have that driven out of me by the work. Right. Um, that's all this is. This is a chance to ha- talk about movies on the timetable I was talking about, the way I wanted to talk about them. And it's been so much healthier, man. It's been great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, just on Twitter, you can find me at Drew McQueenie on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll tag you and everything. Give him a follow. Check out his uh, the newsletter. Uh, a free newsletter? Sounds like it's easy to sign up for and f- set it and forget it if you want people. Just get on there. Let him, let him get the numbers. Read a, read a little bit. If you like it, pay for more. That's all, right? <laughs> it's excellent. Yeah, it's it's and it, I really I try to give you a lot for that uh, for either one of those. The free option, it's still a lot per month. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much, Drew, for coming on High and Mighty and reminiscing about how much we miss movies. Desperately. Uh, I appreciate talking to you. And uh, for the listeners, I'm at Gabrus on all social media. If you like movie talks, uh, I have a podcast called Action Boys. It's a Patreon podcast. uh, So it's behind a paywall, but we have like eight or ten free episodes out that you can find at actionboys.biz with a Z. We talk about classic action movies for longer than their run times. It's not for everybody. It's arguably for almost nobody. But check it out yourselves. The Gino Lombardo Show, two seasons now on Stitcher Premium. Promo code Gino gets you one free month. And hey, rate, review, and subscribe this. High and mighty. Come on, people. This is over five years running. I'm planning on keeping on going. I got nothing else going on in life. So I'm going to be sitting here talking to friends and uh, acquaintances for weekly for the next God knows how long. So fucking get on board. And as always, bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. 
in a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. <laughs> it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> now... Somewhere, somehow, body blow, body blow, body someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to like see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. <laughs> it's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. Yeah. There's some yeah. sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. bam. There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. <laughs> what? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room here. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now. <laughs> <laughs>